Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie postgame show after an absolutely disastrous loss uh, by the Winnipeg Jets to the Detroit Red Wings. I'm not sure anyone saw this coming. Uh, I, I had thought um, Dave Lowry had said before the game that the last thing the Winnipeg Jets could do would be to get into a track meet against a team like the Detroit Red Wings who love getting in track meets uh, and pay the price for it. Uh, I don't know if you were watching on the broadcast, but we had a story in there. Uh, this is the Jeff Hamilton special. He fed me a little bit of a story there, but the, the Detroit Red Wings had allowed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven goals in games this year. Uh, ended a game allowing eleven. Ended a game allowing ten. So this is a team that you can run the score up on, uh, and they like to play that wide open style of game. I had said to Ken before the game, how much do you want to bet that this ends up being, you know, the Jets try to avoid a track meet and get into exactly that? Because in, in my opinion, this is, or games like that are exactly what the, what the Winnipeg Jets want to play. What I did not foresee was the Winnipeg Jets getting outworked. Uh, maybe, maybe that's unfair. But what I did not with a team that played an absolute war last night against the Boston Bruins, allowed 50 shots, were in a massively intense, tiring game, then hopped on a plane and flew and got into Winnipeg late and turned around and ended up being the team that grew stronger as the game went on and beat the Winnipeg Jets. This loss, I had described it as disastrous. Uh, I know that Schickster here is saying, I just noticed this, suggests that we got goalied again. I think that that is a cop-out to suggest that. Yes, they played a team that had a good goaltender who made a lot of nice saves. It's disrespectful, in my opinion, to say the team got goalied when Connor Hellebuck stopped. You know, how many shots uh, pulled miracles out all game long, stopped, I think, one definitely one maybe two breakaways i mean the winnipeg jets are there in that game because their goaltender was goalieing the other team uh so to sum this up as saying the winnipeg jets were the better team and got goalied on this night is 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 does not sum up what happened in this game tonight i will say to me this game entirely sums up this season for the winnipeg jets uh ties a bow on it uh i don't know how many uh Kill Bill, anyone seen the movie out there, Kill Bill? Quentin Tarantino fans, how many of them do we have out there? Uh, in the second Kill Bill, there's a move, the, the five-finger death puncher. I forget what it's called. Uh, but you make that move and you tap the person's heart and they've got 10 or three steps, however many it is, and they drop dead. The point of it is you can be living, but once that move has been applied to you, you're dead already. You just don't know it yet. That's where the Winnipeg Jets are right now. Yes, there's what 10 games, sorry, 11 games left in the season, but here's the deal. The Winnipeg Jets could run the table and win all 11 games and statistically as it stands right now the pace that the Dallas Stars are on is going to is expected right now if they just maintain their regular pace, they are going to be above 98 points. So I can tell you this right now, the Winnipeg Jets they could win all 11 games down the stretch and still not make the playoffs. And let me kill the suspense and the heartbreak for you. The Winnipeg Jets are not winning the rest of their 11 games. The suggestion, you know, based on who they're playing, you could fully expect that the Jets probably aren't going to go 500 in their last 11 games. Uh, it's tough to hear. Uh, that's what we do here. We bring the truth. 
we we bring the hard news when the hard news has to be brought and we all we just bring it in general especially my main man kenny who absolutely brings it every time he's on this show time for me to bring him into the show here let's bring it on the man with the best music in the business here comes kenny Ken, I had suggested to you after the last show that there was an air of finality in that last loss that they had against the LA Kings. Tonight kind of felt like the corpse lying dead on the ground got a big stiff kick in the gut. Uh, what did you see out of tonight's game? Um, where's the sleeping Jets? Well, man, uh, deflated. Um, I think that's the way to put it. Uh, I think if you, again, we... We talked about it last time. We're always looking for body language and signs uh, at the podium after games like that, Sean. I mean, last game, Pierre-Luc Dubois was basically beside himself in anger after that game. And today, Josh Morrissey gave a great explanation as to what happened. But, man, did he sound just devastated, don't you think? I mean, when I asked him about what was said, I mean, he said nothing was said. Nothing needs to be said basically for the Winnipeg Jets it's all right now talk is cheap I mean action is the only thing that matters and right now the Jets didn't get the job done I mean Josh said it I mean that's a game that they had absolutely have to win um, it's a you're playing one of the you know worst teams in the NHL with their backup goalie who had not won a game since February I believe someone said uh, in the chat room there and they can only score one goal. I mean, yes, they scored a second goal, which was a really nice tip by Blake Wheeler. I mean, it was clearly offside on the on the review. Uh, but again, the, the Jets didn't generate enough for me. You're right. I mean, Grice played fine. Um, the Jets had some bad puck luck around the net. That's true. But I'm sorry. I mean, you gotta you gotta be able. This is a team that we've talked about offensive firepower all the time, Sean. When it comes to this group. You got to score more than once against Thomas Grace on a game where the Red Wings are playing back to back. Uh, you said it perfectly. I, the Jets. We've been talking a lot about poor starts for the Jets, including one on Saturday against the Los Angeles Kings. Tonight, they basically had control of the first period. I would say dominated might be a stretch. They carried the bulk of the play, but they gave up a shorthanded goal. I mean, this is where the Jets are right now. Uh, their power play is sort of sputtered, and they've given up shorthanded goals in three consecutive games, Sean. Three consecutive games where the Jets need to win the special teams battle. They've given up a shorty. Um, when you have no margin for error, that simply cannot happen. Um, you said it. You said it best. I mean, Connor Hellebuck did his best. I mean, that's a that's a backdoor tap on the shorty. Uh, and then on the second one, um, the Jets did a terrible job in front of the net. They got beaten to the puck, and Michael Rasmussen got loose on the backside. Pierre-Luc Dubois is the closest guy to him, and he was not able to get there in time. I mean, th that, that's a goal that the Jets can't give up. I mean, 
they talk about going to the paint all the time. I mean, uh, we talk about urgency, Sean. There was not any. There was not enough urgency for the Winnipeg Jets uh, this evening. Uh, they weren't good enough, and they didn't get the job done. And you're right. I mean, the, yes. Are there 22 points available? Absolutely. Are the Jets going to put up 22 points in the next 11 games? Absolutely not. I don't see it happening. Um, I want to get back to this. Uh, I'm not going to get into it right now. Uh, actually, let's get into it right now. Now, But I want to go back to Josh Morrissey and what he said. This was sure. really interesting. Um, and one of the things that I've really appreciated about Mark Shifley is I feel like the interviews that I've had with him before, he's and, and I guess I'd say this for the most part, not just me, but with us throughout the season, right back to that time, Kenny, you and I had a really you know heated conversation about him essentially saying that the Jets had no cis or no identity early on. But I think Mark Schleifley has been brutally honest um, in, in his interviews this season. We had him pregame on the broadcast. And I, the third question I asked him was just personally, what's the season been like for him? And I know, you know, Barflies is making a little bit of a joke about it here saying, did you shed a tear for Schleifley during your pregame interview? But I have to admit, I thought what he said was really heartfelt. I know Mark Shifley takes a lot of heat for, for this season. A lot of it deservedly so. You know, I think that a lot of people would say that the effort shouldn't be there. Uh, I, I don't know what the issue is with that. I know that offensively he's uh, he's continuing on at a point-per-game pace, so he gets the job done there. I'm not saying that's enough. It's not enough, clearly enough. But Mark Shifley clearly is a guy you can see from that interview that still cares about his play, what's happening with this team this, team, this season. And, it, you know, it, it was interesting to ask that question before a game start. You see players get kind of hyped up. And Ken, you know, maybe, I don't know if you'll end up seeing it. You go back and watch it. But, you know, this is Mark Shifley basically kind of bled out on the TV screen about what a rough year it had been. And it struck me as being, you know, I asked it because Mark's been an honest guy. And I wanted to give him the opportunity to kind of, you know, talk about what his experience had been. But it was odd to see. I, maybe odd isn't the right way to say it, but it, I don't remember seeing a guy kind of bleed out on the screen the way that he did before a game, heading into the dressing room. Um, you know, I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on it. Uh, anyone who did see it. What did he say? Well, I mean, he, he brought up Paul. He brought up how weird that was. He brought up COVID, how it was. He brought up how at this stage, you know, he goes in and he just kind of like focuses on the little things that he can do, you know, to... to, to to focus as a hockey player and to move forward, but it, you know, listen, this is this is hitting these players, and I'll take this and I'll go from that back to Josh Morrissey. You can tell where they are right now, the Winnipeg Jets. This isn't a team that doesn't care and just is like, okay, well, whatever, we're missing the playoffs this year. And believe it or not, there's NHL teams that feel like that. There's NHL teams out there right now that are missing the playoffs and can't wait for the season to be over and just want to get this over with. The Winnipeg Jets, I, I wouldn't suggest, are that. Mark Shifley's interview before the game tells me that. Josh Morrissey's interview after the game tells me that. You said it right, Ken. You asked that question. And boy, oh boy, Josh Morrissey, you know, what is said in a dressing room after a game like that? And his response being, well, I don't think there was a word said before they came in here. So Josh Morrissey and Kyle Connor walked out of a deadly quiet dressing room after 
you know, it's not like this happened two or three seconds after the game. This was a while. Walked out of that dressing room, walked in, sat down at the podium, and the first words that they said of Josh Morrissey is accurate in his assessment were to us in the media, not to each other as teammates, but to us in the media. And his response was, what's said in a game like that or after a game like that? Well, I don't think a word has been said, not one word. So what's said after a game like that? Nothing. This team is in agony after this loss. The, the, the care level is there, but it has not translated on the ice uh, for whatever reason. But don't think for a second that these are players that have given up that aren't interested. Whatever has happened, this team is, is at this stage, this team is officially lost in my mind, Ken. The, the, to, to me, this was one of the few times that I looked at this Jets team when they got that power play opportunity towards the end of the game. So they were going to spend the last chunk of the game with the man advantage and with the extra skater. Usually when that happens, I have a, I tend towards thing or yeah, I tend towards thinking that the Winnipeg Jets are going to score in that situation. I would have been surprised if they would have scored in that situation, because to me, whatever belief the Winnipeg Jets had left in that dressing room tonight showed me basically for the entire night that that belief is gone. Yeah, it just was. I mean, even yesterday, yeah. Kyle Connor said, or was it two days? It was two days ago for Kyle. But yeah, I mean, this team is saying all the right things, and they're just not getting the job done right now. Uh, I, I think there's frustration. I think there's frustration that this hasn't led to greater results. Um, I think that's pretty evident. I mean, Josh had to take a couple pregnant pauses because of how angry he was. I mean. I give him all kinds of credit for being up there and answering the questions. And then also to expand, um, when I asked a little bit, I mean, the natural follow-up was, I mean, if nothing's been said, what are the emotions like? And, I mean, they're ang- they're angry, like you said. I mean, and they should be angry because nobody wants to lose, Sean. We're not suggesting that. But right now, the Jets don't have the formula. Or if they have the formula, they're not able to get the formula taken care of on the ice uh, on a regular basis, and that has been the biggest frustration for them. I mean, this is a team that is built to win. They spend over the cap, and they have just simply not got the job done this year, Sean. Uh, you did the research. I mean, the Jets have not beaten enough teams above the playoff line, and the worst part for them is not only have they not beaten enough teams above the playoff line, they've had disheartening losses to Arizona, Detroit, Seattle, and teams like that. So if you can't beat those teams, we understand there are always going to be some teams that play other teams hard. That That's life. But the Jets just haven't found enough energy and, um, and been able to execute properly in order to get results. And that, that basically will be the tale of their season. Um, a season that will be unfulfilled expectations. I mean... There's really no other way to put it, right? I mean, this is a team that had high expectations going into the year. They certainly weren't as high as 2017, 18, or the year after. But this team thought they were moving back from bubble team to contender. And they have fallen flat, and they're not a contender. We can't call the Winnipeg Jets a contender. We can say they have some pieces to build around to become a contender. But right now, the Jets are not a contender. 
Um, before we do move on, I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, Cambrian Credit Union is our newest sponsor. And if you've listened to our recent shows, you'd know both, both Ken and I are proud members and we both have our mortgages through Cambrian. And, but for me, it's not just mortgages. My daughters, we, they actually opened their very first bank accounts uh, at Cambrian. And something that we love with them is that Cambrian offers refunded services through their unfee accounts. Simply set up a recurring direct deposit every month to your Cambrian checking or savings account and you qualify no minimum balance required. Save $222 a year in fees every year. Visit cambrian.mb.ca slash unfee to learn more. And Ken with the little kiddos, you can't get them started enough with an account so that they'll get off daddy's back one day. Hopefully <laughs> enough, enough uh, in those accounts there that they can take off. That's right. Uh, the college... Did- the- the college funds are already uh, already rolling. There's no doubt you about betcha. that. We did it through Cambrian, so I'm, I'm confident they're going to be able to as well. I just wanted to cir- circle back on what we were just talking about. Grant Braun here suggests that the Jets are good actors. I, I will say this, Ken. I don't know if you ever went through any ser- uh, situations like this before. Um, I, I know uh, that when I was younger playing hockey, and I'd never experienced it, I used to look at kind of these teams that were good teams that would start losing and then just everything would fall apart on them. And I never understood it until one of my teams went through a stretch like that. We went, you know, earlier in the year, there were teams, the last place team in the league, we were beating them like 17 to one. And then we went, we hit this skid and the confidence was gone and nothing was working. And everything you did was the wrong play. Your instincts seemed to flip around on you and start working against you in that situation. We finally broke that losing streak against the worst team in the league that we'd beaten 17 to one. And we pulled off like a nine, eight victory against them and had to pull it out of the fire. That kind of got the confidence rolling again. But I use it as a point to say this. I I disagree with what Grant Braun says here. There's no way. And Grant, you know what? Go out and find the video go on jets tv and see josh morrissey speaking after that if if josh morrissey is acting and he truly doesn't care and that's him up there just making something up then boy oh boy get that man to the oscars uh because no, that's that a wake up grant phenomenal. wake up man yeah, that's that's real emotion there i mean that's disappointed they're disappointed i mean there's no acting at the podium i mean uh, and there's also he's not acting when he says there was not a word spoken i mean these guys are genuinely Nobody wants to have a lost season in the NHL. It, these guys went to the conference final. They know how hard it is. They've won one round since that time. So this is another lost season for the Winnipeg Jets. You don't get it back. You can't push reset. It's not like NHL 94 on Sega where you can restart your season and try to get it going again. This is a lost season for the Jets. And for a guy like Josh who completely got himself playing at an elite level when many people thought that after two tough seasons that he couldn't do it, it's even more frustrating for Josh because he doesn't care about his personal success. He wants to have team success that he didn't have this year. Uh, you know what? I think Kenny's water bottle is entirely onto something here when he puts it this way. Did the Jets ever find their identity this year? No, they didn't. And I think it's one of the reasons why we, you know, you couldn't seem to get consistency out of this team or understand what you know version of them they were going to see but i mean we'll go back to this this is the 24 out of 24 games now we go back on this it's been 24 games and the jets have beat teams above the playoff line in two of those games that's 
well over a quarter of a season at this stage that the Jets are basically, if they win games, it's against bad teams. If they lose games, it's against good teams. But every once in a while, you're losing games against bad teams as well. It's just a recipe for absolute disaster for the Jets this year. Uh, and boy, oh boy, I agree with that wholeheartedly. The, 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 the Whatever identity this team was working on, it never arrived this season. We should dig into that, into why they couldn't find their identity. But before we do that, Ken, I wanted to get into something that I thought was a real kind of hallmark of today's game. And that's the Jets passing up on opportunities. It presented itself in the biggest way. There was a play that the puck kicks out. Blake Wheeler grabs it. Grice is out. He's down. He can't get across. Blake Wheeler just has to take two steps and he has a wide open net to put the puck in the net. And instead he tries to pass it across through the crease. This, this is exactly what I was talking about when I was suggesting your instincts work against you. Now I know Blake Wheeler is a pass first kind of guy, but lately he seems to be, um, you know, shooting the puck more and more often, especially on that line with Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think is bringing out that game of his, but this is what I'm talking about here. This is one of those no-brainer plays that, you know, at any other time, Blake Wheeler, even though he's a passer first and a shooter second, he, he skates around and just taps that puck into the net. It's an easy goal. Um, but, Ken, how often did you see tonight, I think I saw it happen from Pierre-Luc Dubois as well, it's been happening in the last couple of games, where the Jets are passing up really good opportunities in an effort to make a play that I don't even know why they're trying to make it. Are you seeing the same thing? Well, I think this is what happens, Sean. I mean, when a team goes through some struggles offensively, you start to look for the perfect play, which is generally not the right play. <laughs> um, when the Jets have had success, they've simplified their game. They've, they've got more shots. I mean, you touched on it. I mean, Blake Wheeler has played better lately. He's played very well. I mean, he's meshing really well with Pierre-Luc Dubois drawing penalties getting to the net he had several good chances a couple good shots on goal um, you know a little bit of bad puck luck late in the game he has a redirection right in the on the doorstep uh, but they just couldn't finish I mean that's the way that's the way it goes for them and yeah I mean I, I agree Sean I mean they are passing up too many opportunities and to me that that is what happens when uh, you get frustrated and try to be I mean again Kyle talked about it today. I mean, beautiful. I mean, Kyle, I wrote about this in sportsnet.ca, how Kyle has adopted this leadership role this year. I mean, he doesn't crave the spotlight, but he gets it because of how good a player he's become and also the kind of leadership qualities he um, is kind of bringing out to the public. I mean, he, he used to be that guy getting accused of making plays that were too cute. Now he's the guy that's basically calling yeah. out calling out plays that are too cute. And that's a big step forward for Kyle. And, man, what a season he's having. And not just on the ice, but I, I think that um, we talk about the uh, you know transition in leadership. I mean, I think that Kyle has really emerged as a bona fide star in the NHL and a leader on this team. Uh, and that's an important thing for the Winnipeg Jets because he's the kind of guy that they're going to be building around as they try to retool on the fly here. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a guy who's grown into a leadership role too. Um, I mean, he was active today. I, I didn't think he had the best game. Uh, I thought he maybe could have sealed Rasmussen on that second goal. Uh, I know that some folks would say on the first goal, he, again, he was the closest guy um, to Sam Gagne on the backdoor tap-in after the great play by Larkin. I wouldn't say it was his fault, but 
Um, you know, on two of those goals, Dubois was the closest guy to the puck carrier that scored. So um, I don't think he had his best game. But again, in a, in a game where Pierre-Luc Dubois was not his best shot, five shots on goal and ten shot attempts. So, I mean, he's all over the place um, in terms of being involved. So uh, interesting times. Sorry, I rambled on a little bit there. But yes, the Jets are passing up too many great opportunities. And I mean... Dave Lowry was pretty, I mean, again, he was forthcoming when it came to that. I mean, I asked him too. I mean, they had two goals that were scored on tips, low to high plays, perfect shots from the point, one from Nate Schmidt, one from Dylan DeMello. Um, tips by Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler. One of them is uh, negated by a coach's challenge. But, I mean, the Jets had success with those plays against a tired Red Wings team yet they couldn't get to the net front often enough, even though they're constantly talking about it, right? I mean, yeah. that's the other part of it. Um, just before we move on, I wanted to make sure we got our other sponsor yeah. in here, the Johnson Group, with this slick new banner that I get to show off. Man, I love producing this show. This is good <laughs> stuff. With the Johnson Group, you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it involves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. And speaking of guys who take care of you and can provide you know, insurance and all the stuff that cover you, Ken, do you remember at the beginning of the year I was going to put a thousand bucks on the Jets to make the playoffs? <laughs> Good thing you didn't. I never did. I never did, and boy, oh boy, that was the smartest thing I could have done at that stage. That's something. Um, hey, yeah, you'd be you'd be going to our friends at Cambrian for a loan after that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it probably tells you I should stay out of the betting game. Indeed. We'll hey, I wanted to talk about this. So people keep bringing up identity, and I wanted to get into this idea of you know what makes up identity or why you may not achieve your identity because some of the people we're talking and suggesting you know coaching is the reason for it for me if you don't have an identity it's one of three things the first thing is coaching people are on to something if you've got coaches that don't take a look at your group understand what your group is uh and and you know coach to that that can be the issue the second part of that though is effort if you've got players no matter who your coach is and i don't care what you say you know not every coach can reach every player. You can take the best coach in the world. doesn't mean they're going to reach the players that they don't want to be reached. So if the effort is not there, you're not going to have much of an identity either, other than your identity being that you lack effort. The third part of that is roster makeup, in my mind. So if you have an idea of what you want to be as a team and the identity you want to play, but you don't have the roster to do it, well, then you're not going to pull off that identity. And Ken, this is where I think this is a really difficult offseason for the Winnipeg Jets to try and figure this out because I don't know if you could point to one or the other or any of these things as specifically being the reason. Now I say Dave Lowry came in as the interim coach. I think it's fairly obvious that he hasn't shown what you would expect to keep an interim coach around. I mean boy if they'd seen it you know wouldn't, wouldn't 
Kevin Sheveldayoff be talking about locking things down right now or be giving those votes of confidence out. We're not hearing that. This is a team that's struggling. They haven't gotten any better, really. We showed some numbers, haven't gotten any better under Dave Lowry. So I don't expect that this is the coaching regime that we're going to see moving forward. So that's one thing that could change. Effort level, though, I think it's been fairly obvious that the effort hasn't been there night in and night out by the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't hold the coaches accountable for that. We've heard about this team being a young team, but there's enough veteran leadership on this team that there should be a push from the veterans. And, you know, I'll bring it up. Jamal Myers during the last game brought up time and time again that some of the most egregious errors and egregious efforts made in that last game against the LA Kings by the Winnipeg Jets was by players that would be included in their leadership group. And I know people love to hang uh, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler out to dry when we talk about this, but one of the guys he highlighted in that game was Pierre-Luc Dubois. And here on, on tonight, Pierre-Luc Dubois is, is the guy that probably makes the effort, that, or excuse me, makes the errors that cost them the first goal. Like you said, could have boxed out his player on the second goal. Last goal is an is empty net goal, so that tells you tonight, Pierre-Luc Dubois had a bad night, and the Jets lost tonight based on his bad night. So effort is across the board. I, th- I think they've got to figure that out. And the last thing is the roster makeup. This is something that we've explored all year, Ken, a lot more at the beginning of the year. But I've said this before. Yeah, okay, you want the Jets to go out and play this grinding style of hockey, and that's how you're going to win. It's what the Jets were asked to do last year. They pulled it off together, you know, you know, long enough to get past the Edmonton Oilers. But my thing is, like, you, you, can't, you can't paint stripes on a horse and and ask it to stay a zebra. That's just not how it works. I think for a while you can get away with it, but the paint wears off after a while. And I think that this is going to be a really tough, very tough off season because there's going to be a temptation. People have already said it in our chat room. They've been saying it all the time. There's going to be a temptation to say that this team is last year's Calgary Flames and that they're going to get it. You all, they're one coach away from turning things around and playing per, a perfect game. I don't believe that's true. Fixing effort, I think, is going to be harder than you think it is. That's two. And coaching, I think there there does need to be a radical new voice to reach this team. So I don't think it's I don't think it's one thing. I don't think you can hang this on the coaches. I don't think you can hang it on the players' efforts. I don't think you can hang it on this roster. But I think all three of those things own a piece of this and why we find the Jets where they are. Ken. What kind of coach then are you bringing in? Because uh, I don't, I, I, I just, I don't, I will have a hard time believing not all players will respond to the same type of coaching. So to me, that's where the challenge comes in. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you mean so? Uh, Paul Maurice brought structure, but he was still more of a player's coach, right? So, um, you know, Dave. Dave is probably a combination. He's got a little bit of Daryl Sutter in him, but he's also has you know he relates to the player so he would be uh you know i don't think he would be considered a a hard a hard ass kind of coach either um i don't know that i again i think that that's why i'm very fascinated by the coaching um search um will it be someone the jets are familiar with will it be a radical new philosophy will it be a combination I'm very curious to see how this goes. Um, I know a lot of people don't think that Dave Lowry's done the job, and uh, you know DJ underscore thinks that I'm uh, you know a big fan of Dave Lowry. I think that Dave Lowry's a smart guy. I mean, 
Uh, do I agree with all his roster decisions? Absolutely not. I wanted to see Vili Hainala in the last 12 games of the season. He did not play tonight. Um, Logan Stanley had another tough go. I mean, had another penalty, and uh, I thought, yeah, he was fine the last game. This is not just about Hainala versus Stanley, though, but at the same time, at the same time, I wanted to see Hainala in the game. I mean, um, I just think that I, I find it funny that people think that after eight years of culture being built, that Dave Lowry could suddenly pull in here, pull in on December 17th, and abracadabra, alakazam, uh, absolutely change everything over. Um, so, anyways, do I think that Dave Lowry is going to get the job? I mean, right now I would say it's unlikely. Um, we'll see how the last 11 games go. But, I, I, again, I'm fascinated how a, a couple things work. Who's playing hard during these last 11 games? I wrote about it last week too. Who wants to be part of the solution and who's going to be identified as part of the problem? Because that's where the Jets are at, Sean. You're right. Roster construction, guess what? This roster construction is not working. It hasn't worked since Dustin Bufflin has been gone. Is that a big challenge for a general manager? Absolutely. It's probably the most unique player in the NHL that has been plucked off this roster. So... Of course, it's going to be a challenge for Kevin Dayoff. But guess what? Every team has roster challenges, whether it's cap-related or injury-related or people aging out or having to be traded. So, you know, it's not a participation medal league. you got to get the job done. Right now, the Jets are not getting the job done. And I think that there are going to be, have to be foundational changes to the roster. Um, we, we know who we don't think it's going to be. Um, and then, yes, I mean, that, Kevin Cheveldayoff has to decide if Mark Shifley is next year's version of Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau had a very tough season last year for the Calgary Flames, who missed the playoffs badly. Johnny Gaudreau is now a top-five candidate for the Hart Trophy. So can Mark Shifley do that? Does Mark Shifley need to be switched positions? Does he need to become a right winger? I mean... If the Jets are keeping Mark Shifley, that has to be a consideration. If the Jets are moving Mark Shifley, you better get a good package back because you're going to be missing a lot of production. So there's a lot of things that are being weighed, and and coaching will definitely be one of them. Sorry, back to my original question. I'm sorry that I went to the buffet after asking you. What kind of a coach do you think the Jets will be looking to hire? Well, before we go there, I think this is Isaiah Bruce says this, either new coach staff or new GM, something has got to give and fast. This is the thing, Ken. I don't think it's as easy as just saying bring in a new coach. I think everything, everything needs to be under review here. Like at this stage, my, my point of this is the Jets have been doing the same thing for a long time. They've locked up all right. their high-priced players and, you know, in goal, up front, they've worked things around, and then what they do is they basically they'll go get a Tomac Toninato and they'll roll him on the bottom, and they'll you know they went out and they got Mason Appleton who plays a very you know defined role on this team. But what it does is it means that those guys on the bottom end of the team can only play a very defined role. One thing that is not happening under the Jets roster construction is you are probably not building a third. Or, or, you know, a fourth line or even a third line that is going to be the kind of line that we saw from the St. Louis Blues when they went on their run where those te- those lines go out and score you really big goals during games, during playoff games. 
that's not something I think anyone could expect. So right now, the way that this puzzle is put together for the Jets, it's you know, it's like building a team in hockey. The balance, I cannot believe they're going over a third time on this. This is something else. My God, holy smokes. They're going to have great ice. They're going to finish the season with the best ice in the league. That's how it's going to be. Uh it's like when you do that balance, and I, I said the whole thing about, you know, that old Nintendo game where you had the skinny guy, the fat guy, and the middle guy, and you got to kind of try and find that balance that works. But the way that the Jets roster is constructed right now and the way their salaries break down is they keep doing the same thing every year. They keep rolling out the help on the third and fourth lines. And because they can only offer league minimums or bring in new guys, unless they find new guys who are going to walk in and a Morgan Barron type hits in this league and starts doing that, you cannot expect the Jets to get significant contributions from their third and fourth lines. That's just the way it's going to go under their roster construction. So the point I'm getting to, Ken, is, is maybe you don't know what kind of coach you need until you figure out whether or not you're just going to roll with this roster and try and do this all over again for what the fourth or fifth year. Uh, or maybe you start saying, you know, maybe you start getting creative or, or maybe some people will think it's lunacy. Maybe, you know, you're talking about moving Mark Shifley. Maybe that's a move you make and you go out and like you said, that's a lot of scoring to make up, but maybe you make that up by adding some depth and, and starting to get more goals out of your third and fourth line. Maybe you're harder to play against, so you don't allow as, as many goals, so you don't need to replace as many goals, but the goals that you do replace are coming from other places, so you don't need to, I mean, Geez, Ken, at that point, how long had the Jets' top six players been on the ice when they pulled the goaltender? I think Millsy had said it was like two minutes and 30 seconds of counting or something like that. It was how over much, three minutes. I mean, I, and they clearer, looked at calling a timeout at 108. I, I don't know why they didn't. How much clearer of an indication can you get that you don't have faith in the bottom half of your roster that you will trot the same guys out tired as they are and it's not working to, to, to give an opportunity to someone else to get something done or at least split those top six most offensive players into three highly offensive players and three guys who can go to the front of the net and create chaos. So I, I guess this is what I'm saying, Ken. I go back to talking about the identity. I don't think the roster makeup is right. I don't think the effort there is there and I don't think the coaching is there, but it's not as easy as turning around and saying, go hire John Tortorella and believe me, I know the, the history with Dubois, which makes that near impossible, but it's not about going out and hiring a taskmaster that's just going to turn this team around because how is that going to work out? How did it work out in Columbus for a lot of the, you know, for Pierre-Luc Dubois or for Patrick Liney when he was there, when Torts was there, when he's trying to take the thoroughbreds and, you know, put the yoke on them and have them go plow the fields, as someone was talking about this earlier on. I, I, I honestly think right now, there needs to be an entire look over and, and a, a greater emphasis on what do we want these Winnipeg Jets to be? Because right now, I think what they thought this Jets team was going to be was great goaltending, pretty good defense, and a whole bunch of offensive-minded players who could score you into winning games, right? Kind of heard that before, similar to what we see with the Edmonton Oilers but without the good goaltending, I think they thought maybe that's enough. We can't score like the Edmonton Oilers can, but we're going to score pretty good. I don't think it works anymore. I don't think there's enough ice to go around when we score two goals or less. Tell me, tells me scoring isn't the problem. Scoring is the problem. 
believe me, scoring is the problem. Tonight, scoring was the problem. Against the LA Kings, scoring was the problem. Scoring is the problem on this team, and I'll tell you my theory on why. There's only so much ice to go around. We've talked about this time and time again. You don't get games where Kyle Connor scores two, Nick Ehler scores two, Blake Wheeler chips in one. Like They don't all go at the same time. I feel like there's a bit of a cue when it comes to ice time. So you get into that cue and you have that kind of game, right? If Nick Ehlers is flying early, he gets more ice time by Dave Lowry or Paul Maurice when he was here. And then he goes and he turns those into a couple of goals. But that ice time comes at the cost of other players. If you have belief in in the offensive guys that you have, then... You know, it's 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 the reason why we look at this team and think, why aren't they so good? Because they have more stars than most other teams have. Well, maybe more stars doesn't necessarily translate to wins. And you're seeing that from a team like Nashville right now. You see that every year from Dallas, who right now, to be honest, are getting better contributions out of the rest of their roster than they are out of guys like Jamie Benn or Tyler Sagan. And so, so to me, I, I don't, I don't know that you can just turn around and say, get this coach and fix it, because I don't believe that, Ken. So I don't know that you can go to a place yet and say this is the kind of coach the Winnipeg Jets need, because I don't think this roster construction is right. Clearly, the effort is not there. To your point, you need to find the players who want to be here, who want to play that style of hockey. But I honestly don't think they know what style of hockey to play, and that's affecting the effort. So coaching is interlaced in this. Effort is interlaced in this. Roster ma- makeup is is interlaced in this and I don't know where you start but I do think that this is a bigger problem than people realize anyone out there who thinks that this is the Calgary Flames at a coach and you are off to the Stanley Cup next year I don't buy it and I'm saying it right now if it happens I will I will eat crow on on be careful be careful yeah I was gonna go a little too far but I will eat crow on this program next year if, if that happens I don't think that's it the, the problems with this organization run deep, and they run through all three of those major tenders. Sure, and here's a big thing. I mean, folks, I understand you want to know who the next coach is. Just this is not how coaches get hired. I mean, there's probably going to be – you don't just choose before you know who's available in the pool, right? So we're not avoiding the topic, but once we know who's available, there are some play, people that would already be appealing to the Winnipeg Jets depending on their level of experience. But we're going to dig into the coaching stuff for a long, long time. But I'm not coming on the show and saying, hey, I predict the coach is going to be here when we don't even know who's all available, who's not going to be renewed, who's going to be fired, who's available. Maybe there's an up-and-comer somewhere else who isn't on the radar anywhere. I know some people talked about James Patrick in the chat. James is doing an incredible job with the Winnipeg guys who are back home this weekend. But James is in a position where several of his best players are draft eligibles in Connor Geeky and, and Matthew Savoy. So I think that James is committed to the Winnipeg Ice again through next season because he's trying to win a Memorial Cup with a great core of players. So I, I don't see James Patrick throwing his hat. I mean, again, could it change? I mean, he's a Winnipeg guy. Does he want to be an NHL head coach? Possibly. But I think that James is committed to the Winnipeg Ice for the next two seasons. So um, we're, we're going to dive deep into coaching. We're going to dive deep into the candidates. But again, there's no point in predicting on April 5th, 6th who the next coach is going to be because there's still a lot of things to be determined. The and then we got to find out who's going to be interested in the job. It's a job that would appeal to people because of the star quality that you mentioned, Sean. But they would also probably want to know what direction the team is going. 
Yeah. The, the uh, listen to your point. You, you can't really get a good gauge on who the coach is going to be until the coaching carousel gets fired up. And I know you think that that may be the motor for the coaching carousel in the background here. Uh, that's not the case, though. It's it's still the good old helicopter landing at center ice. We've missed it. Uh, it's it's the soundtrack to our lives at this stage, Ken. That's how it goes. Hey, it was requested in the chat room here. Uh, Troy Stevens says, headband time, let's go. I noticed Troy Stevens is very demanding with his headband calls, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, at, your, I'm at your whim, Troy Stevens. So here it comes. Let's bring it into the show. Time to turn this into a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Randy show. Let's bring it. <laughs> Well, you know what? Hey, Ken, I actually wanted to bring this up. Someone uh, took a Blake Grist here says, Kenny, wake up. You're telling me you wouldn't give up a WHL job for an NHL job because you're committed. Listen, Blake, I know it seems pretty obvious. You just take an NHL job over a WHL job. It's not necessarily how it works. This guy right now is has the keys to a Lamborghini. This is one of the best junior teams that we've seen for a long time. If he does special things with this team, he doesn't just go to the NHL. He kind of punches his ticket to where he wants to go in the NHL if he does the right things and people see the right things from him. So I don't disagree with your idea, Blake, that a, a, a guy like Patrick would not want to go to the NHL, but he's not dropping everything and going to the first job that comes his way. If he that plays his cards right, he gets to be very discerning and also makes a lot more money coming into the NHL uh, as a rookie coach. So uh, I, 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 an unwarranted wake up. Uh, I'm not going to throw a wake up back at you oh, because no, that's not my job. Uh, that's Ken's job to get with the wake ups. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think you're off on that one. I didn't say he wouldn't. I'm just saying that. I think you can't just dismiss the importance of being on a te- uh, being in charge of a team with that type of potential. Yeah. Um, here, listen, we got to get into Stanley Hainla. Uh, you touched on it a little bit. I'm going to get you to kind of go deep on this one here. We have to talk about this because, uh, because I have thoughts. So let's get out. I mean, I, I mean, again, my thoughts are, I didn't like the call. Um, I understand that they're trying to, you know, help build Logan Stanley's confidence and I'm guessing it has something to do with the penalty kill which has struggled uh, of late and they're trying to get Logan going Uh, I mean we know the Jets think highly of Logan Stanley and again as I wrote in my mailbag I mean it doesn't have to be this is not a one can succeed and the other is destined for failure situation Um, that's not how the players view it but right now the only spot open is the number six spot Uh, it is being you know shifted between the two players Uh, i understand why the jets would not be you know waving the white flag uh, while they're mathematically alive but i think for the future because of how much time vili hanala has missed this is an optimal opportunity to get him back into games at the nhl level where he has shown well in at least four of the last five games that he's played he is a guy they he has the ability to be an impact player Again, I see Logan Stanley as an NHL defenseman, probably more of a third third pairing guy. Uh, 
Vili Hainala has the potential to be on the top pairing at some point. So I'm not saying he has to be put on the top pairing today, but I want to see him in the lineup. I give I give the Jets credit for trying a different pairing. Lately, Neil Pionk and Brennan Dillon was not working, so they tried Nate Schmidt with them. I actually thought those guys were pretty good today. Neil Pionk was moving better today. But this is a game where the Jets could have used Vili Hainala's puck-moving ability, zone exits, offensive wizardry, things of that nature. So to me, it feels like a missed opportunity. Um, I understand you know, Dave didn't want to get into it when I asked him about it yesterday. He said they would just get, dress the roster that gives them the best chance. Um, right now, I think that Billy Hainala gives the Jets a better chance to win right now. Do other parts of his game he has to clean up? Of course, those were on display when he had his rough go the other night. But given how he responded to that rough go, I mean, Dave Lowry told us for a long time that if a guy deserved to play, he would be in the lineup. So if you're Billy Hainala, you're disappointed that you played a good game and we're not back in the lineup. And to me, I think that the Jets need to get Hainala as much action as possible. And I will continue to bang this other drum. I understand why David Gustin, again, David Gustin landed in COVID protocols, so it's not going to be today. The Jets should get David Gustafson. They should be giving him a reward for his season before this season is over. Morgan Barron continues to impress. I want to see Morgan Barron with David Gustafson. I, heck, I want to even have a look at Morgan Barron with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton because that could be their new identity third line as soon as next season. So, But again, I want to see more of Hanela. I think he's deserved to be in the lineup. And the sooner he gets to be a regular... For the Winnipeg Jets this season in their last 11 games, the better off they're going to be. And then Villy needs to go to the Moose and not only play well, but dominate. Leave that impression. We know the Moose or the Jets brass will be watching the Moose during the Calder Cup playoffs. He needs to go. I know he's had a great year in the AHL when he's played. Dominate in the Calder Cup playoffs and leave no doubt as to whether or not you're going to grab a job in the top six and probably even maybe the top four by the time the fall rolls around because that's the type of player, an impact player, that Vili Hainala can have on this team. Just a pause on that. Egan Isowin says that uh, I need to value the headband calls more. They become more desirable by not calling them every episode. Say no once in a while and make us earn them. I know what he's saying here, but I'd actually like to see the numbers of how many shows I actually wear the headband. I wonder if it hovers around 60%. I don't think it's as much as people think. One thing I'll say is I miss that song every time it's on. I love cranking it. Uh, that's the excuse right there. It's more the song for me at this stage than the headband. Uh, but yeah, hey, so I wanted to get into this. Okay, we asked for an explanation today of why Billy Hanela was taken out of the lineup and Stanley was playing in the lineup ahead of him. I don't believe we got one. I don't believe we've been given one. I don't think that there has been a true explanation of why one player would be in the lineup over the other. Um, I don't think it's a hard explanation to make. I think if you you know value the size that uh, that Stanley brings, or that you know he's got an active stick on a penalty kill, or if, if, if specifically to use him on the penalty kill, I'm not sure what it is. Um, but but we didn't get an explanation. And I don't think it's that hard to get an explanation on that. I will say this. Um, 
I, I was blown away. Uh, and Ken, you 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 were the first one to see it out of the pack of journalists in the last game that uh, that um, Vili Hanla was not going to be playing in this game here tonight. It was almost beyond belief. But I once you pointed it out, I saw what you were seeing. I wasn't expecting yesterday that he was going to be in the lineup. But I don't get it. We talked about the last game that Vili Hanla played, how he was kind of one of the one of the guys who was actually pushing you know the boulder up the hill in that game and that Dave Lowry seemed to recognize it and seemed to be feeding him ice time more and more throughout that game as a result of that I don't get at this stage you know and maybe it's this maybe this is the answer maybe the Jets until tonight and we get this. You talked about it in our hit. Connor Hellebuck suggested this team was going to need to go 12-0 and to get into the playoffs. Well, that's impossible now because they only have 11 games left. We've crunched the numbers. Essentially, as it stands right now, the expectation is even if the Jets won out, that still may not be enough to get them into the playoffs. The numbers suggest it wouldn't be enough to get them into the playoffs. Conducting themselves in a manner that they are, you know, uh, you know, working towards the future with the rest of their season. But let's be honest with ourselves. That was insane wishful thinking. There was no reason to go away from that. I'm with you. We're at the stage where we need to start seeing some of these pieces that are expected to be the future and seeing what they can do and being giving them opportunity here. Otherwise, you are wasting this time down the stretch. And, you know, to, to my point of, of the, the roster construction, I don't think that it's there properly. The Jets, more now than ever before, maybe in the history of this organization, need to know what they have in their organization and how to use it, or maybe even bringing guys up because if you're going to change your roster construction, maybe the rest of the league needs to know exactly what you have in this team because maybe you're going to use those pieces to jog things around and reconstruct this roster. But at this stage, sticking to the same roster that has not given you the results that you need down the stretch or never mind down the stretch for the bulk of the season is crazy to me at this stage. Having him pulled out of the lineup, I was blown away that was happening. We've seen, we know what Logan Stanley is. I think we saw enough from Hanla to think that, never mind, the, that, that I don't think there's a drop-off flip-flopping those two, that there's a lot of places that the games, the Jets' game gets better, and they need to explore that and see what making their game better in those areas does for the players around them. Um massive missed opportunity. Maybe we'll see it down the stretch here. Maybe they feel like they've got, you know, this last 10 games can be entirely about that and they'll do that. Maybe all our answer or all our questions that we're left with right here are going to be answered down the stretch. But I thought it was a baffling decision here tonight. I don't agree with it. Uh, I usually don't like to say, oh, I think this, you know, I think the coach did this wrong or that wrong because let's get this straight. Dave Lowry knows more about hockey sleeping than I do awake uh, with, 200 cups of coffee in me, but this decision did not make any sense to me. I, I need it explained to me, and, and that explanation has not come, Ken. No, fair enough. Uh, just transitioning here quickly. Braden, thank you for your comment. Uh, here's the point that you're missing when I mention those things about Dubois. The thing about Dubois is he's involved in the game. That's why I mentioned scoring chances. In case you're unaware, he generates... A similar amount of scoring chances at, at even strength as Austin Matthews does. Is he a natural finisher like Austin Matthews? Absolutely not. But would you rather have a guy who plays on the perimeter and is not involved? Or do you want someone who is generating high quality scoring chances? 
again, I understand that I am on the, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois defense party and have been since last year. But here's the thing. Pierre-Luc Dubois has now gone, I think, seven games without a goal. At a time when the Jets need him, they need him producing. But you first need to generate the quality scoring chances before you get the goals. That's the point I'm making. That's why I defend him. Did he have a good game tonight? Absolutely not. Sean and I have both said that. But he, even in a game where he's not having his best effort, he still is at least providing effort, which is something that not all players can say. Does he need to produce more? Yes, he knows that, and he takes it upon himself when that happens. So that's why, again, you'd much rather have a guy that is involved and engaged than someone who's not providing enough effort. I mean, one of the things I would think about Pierre-Luc Dubois this year, uh, and I guess, you know, I've been accused of being overly critical of Pierre-Luc Dubois in the past. Um, I don't think that's the case, but, uh, you know, so be it. He does have 13 power play goals this year. I mean, that. so his numbers definitely have been skewed on the power play. But this was the deal. We've talked about this before. Everyone wants to talk about this line A Dubois trade and who won and who lost. And again, we come down to this, Ken. The answer to that question is going to happen in this offseason, especially if, you know, the Jets can sign Pierre Dubois long term because Patrick Line wasn't going to stay. So unless they made a move, they were going to lose him anyway at some point. So Pierre Dubois signs here long term. The Jets win that trade because long term something is better than nothing. But this is the debate that is going to, I think, going to rage for a long long time here in Winnipeg on what you are better off with because I'm telling you right now and get used to it Pierre-Luc Dubois is never going to produce points the way that Patrick Laine does and it's probably not going to be close and to your point Ken this is the exact thing he's on the ice and he creates a lot of scoring chances but this is the difference and this is the something that the Winnipeg Jets have lived off for a long time is they're able to score a high volume of goals without a high volume of high danger chances because they have that skill. Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't have that. He's the opposite of that. He's the guy who does the hard work, who gets the puck to the front of the net and creates those opportunities but doesn't cash in on it as much. That's just who he is as a player. You have to ask the question, is is there is there value in that? I say yes. I say that this version of Kyle Connor is the best version of Kyle Connor we've ever seen, and he's the best version of Kyle Connor we've ever seen because he's playing alongside the wing with Pierre Luc Dubois. So yes, while Pierre Luc Dubois isn't popping in the net, some people are suggesting Pierre Luc Dubois doesn't ha- he's got you know the size and all that kind of stuff, but the skill doesn't match. But take a look at what has happened to Kyle Connor this year now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you could have left Kyle Connor with Blake Wheeler and Mark Schleifley again this season, and he would be putting up the same numbers that he has the entire time. I don't buy it. I don't think there's that hard of a swing. And we've seen the differences in his game that have allowed him to produce the way he's producing. So Pierre-Luc Dubois is one of those guys who, while his offense may not necessarily show up on the stat sheet, it's showing up on the stat sheet on the guy who's playing next to him. So that's one thing I think people have to keep in mind when it comes to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, again, and and I, I'm still, I, I, I'm still undecided on this, on whether or not the Jets were better off with a player like Patrick Laine, because I do honestly believe one of the hidden values of Patrick Laine was he was so dangerous with his shot that the opposition had to play out of position just to cover him, and that opened up ice for other people. So I think it's hidden on Patrick Laine's stats that other players were better around him or scored more offense because there was more room on the ice. Uh, This, in my head, Ken, is going to debate 
it's going to roll in my head for a long time. Are the Winnipeg Jets better off with Pierre-Luc Dubois or Patrick Laine, which I don't think is the same question on whether or not they won the trade or not. Uh, but it's going to be a long time for me before I, I kind of decide whether or not um, whether or not the, the Jets would be better off with Laine or better off with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I will say this, though, it is definitive. Patrick Laine is the better scorer. Pierre-Luc Dubois is the more all-around player. Last thoughts, Ken, before we get moving on. Yeah, I mean, so the big thing now with Dubois is this. I mean, the debate has always been, is he a 65-point player or can he be an 82-point player, right? That's that's what it's going to be determined. And that will be determined whether he makes $7 million or $9 million, right? I mean, the Jets are going to be have to bet on the projection, right? I mean, that's what this will come down to. So uh, it's been a bit of a cold streak. Line is at a cold streak as well when it comes to goal scoring. So guys go go through stretches both of them have gone through stretches that have been tough but Dubois has been a very consistent performer this year uh, he also draws a ton of penalties with his um, effort um, that's something that I mean Line, you know he's obviously a pure finisher and has worked at rounding out his game but that's another value added type of thing that doesn't show up in the traditional stats sheet when it comes to Dubois' game. He also takes a lot of penalties, so there is some give and take there as well. Um, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, they're both helping their current teams. Uh, both those teams appear to not be a playoff team, but I don't think that either team is in the predicament they are in because of those two players. Those two players have elevated their games and gotten back to the levels that we expected them to be at. And, you know, again, we get it. It's a comparison game, so they will still be compared to one another they're different players they're bringing different things to the table and both their teams are thrilled with what they are bringing to the table but there's big decisions surrounding both of them but my view hasn't changed the Jets are going to commit to Pierre-Luc Dubois as long as Dubois commits to them then we're going to see what else happens after that I will say this and I can't seem to find it uh um I can't find it. Uh, Braden Mahone makes a good point here. Patrick Lining sold tickets. People would come from far away to see that shot. That Global appeal. Global so, appeal. Yep, yeah. But I will say this, and I never really thought of it from this perspective before because I, you do think that I, I have said this, Patrick Lining brings a skill element that the Jets already have lots of. Julie Sue made a good point. It's freed up more space for Ehlers to do his thing. So there is skill that can step into that spot, but there's a question that is nagging me now that someone asked. I can't find it. Uh, I'm not going to dig through it, but the question of were the Jets a better team with Patrick Line than they are right now, they're not. They're not a better team right now. Now, that's not saying that the roster maybe isn't better and all the things we've been talking about. Maybe the Jets aren't getting enough out of this, but the one thing that you really probably can't argue is the Jets, you know, with Patrick Line in their lineup, were traditionally a better team than this Jets team that we're seeing right now. Well, the Jets' that's- defense was also better when Patrick Line was on the Jets' team. We well, can't ignore in, that. Not in the Calgary year, and I guess they were. He played one play game play. that year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean, Buff was not there no, that year. Different year. Anyway, uh, we'll move on, uh, and we'll move right out of here. Uh, before we do go, we just wanted to say we had a, an update with uh, our our sales team who are selling our gear. Gave us a, a an idea of uh, our how our stuff is moving on. www.shopsportsnet.store we just want to say thank you to everyone out there man oh man we really appreciate that sounds like the bugs were moving really well our shirts especially the wake up shirts sold phenomenally uh extremely happy with everything out there sounds like we're going to be adding hats in there 
and hopefully Sean, it's headbands. We'll let you know when that's coming, but just thank you so much for everything. Awesome. Uh, all your support it means a ton to us. Uh, we wanted to prove that uh, we could move the needle in this market here. And boy, our chat room and the people who tune in afterwards have been moving it for us. Thank you so much for all your help. Uh, and thank you for tuning in, all your ideas tonight, all your questions. We really appreciate it. Ken, you got something? Tomorrow, a long form. Ken Reed and John Bartlett, who called the game today, will be our guests. Join us from the three to four on our YouTube channel or check it out afterward on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you want to find that on our YouTube channel, you might as well get there and subscribe while you're there and click like for our videos. Check out all our long form shows. They live uh, beyond the last game. Uh, they live entirely and we're really proud of those. Go check those out. And finally, last thing, uh, we will see everybody after the game uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. I'm not even going to preface it with any of the must wins <laughs> or stuff like that anymore. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. But let's enjoy it down the stretch here. And I'll meet up and talk about it after the game. Thank you so Corey much. Corey Connors everybody. is my master's pick. There you go. There you go with our guy D.I. down there. Right. We should get D.I. on the show. Uh, uh, maybe, well, he told me to give him a call while he's we'll down there. We'll see you about Friday. We'll see you about Friday. See if we can make it work. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later.